Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, Pod Squad members Tracy Carr and Shelley Ziegler will discuss what they've been reading during Mississippi's Shelter at Home order. Listen as they discuss memoirs, history, fiction, gossip, and more. Please note that the following audio has been pulled from the Zoom Book Chat Quarantine Edition video that is posted to the Mississippi Library Commission YouTube channel and has been edited to better fit the podcast format. So, stay tuned. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Tracy. How are you? I'm doing all right. We usually do these book chats on our podcast, Stacks and Stories, but since we're both at home, I thought it might be fun to do a Zoom book chat and see how your quarantine reading has been going. And I've also missed talking about books with you, so I'm so happy that we're doing this. We usually like, you know, spar a little and bicker and then giggle. So we're, we're different on the spectrum of books, you know, yeah. we're on both sides. So, yeah. so how is your, how is your quarantine reading going? Well, you know, it's surprising. You know, I'm, I'm a big reader, but I've read a lot last month. I read 14 books and mm-hmm. it, it's a lot for me. Some were audio, some were print. I did the mix. I, I, I prefer audio, but yeah, I was really, and I really wasn't even trying to read a lot. I just, you know, we have some extra time. Mm-hmm. I have not been so successful. That first in March, I read nothing. And then in April, I tried nonfiction and nonfiction has been like, I can't read books about made up people right now. Like there's something I just, I cannot get into it, but nonfiction has, has been the way to go for me. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but maybe, you know, the world is crumbling and on fire and <laughs> I need something solid <laughs> to, uh, to read about. I have read a mix of nonfiction and fiction, but I usually don't read nonfiction. And so it's, that's interesting that you say that because I've read some nonfiction during this time. So yeah, I wonder, that's so interesting. I think it's because maybe we need a break or something. I don't know. Yeah, usually, you know, you think fiction would be the where you would go to escape. It's like the reverse somehow right now. Well, tell me about what you've been reading. Well, one of my nonfiction books is a memoir. It's the Jessica Simpson memoir that everyone's been talking about. It's called Open Book. And wow, she is an open book. She spills the beans about everything in her life from her childhood, her struggles with her parents and her church, all the way through her divorce. She apparently, and I didn't know this, she dated John Mayer for a long time. And he's a big fat jerk. And... (laughs) He doesn't look like he would be a, or doesn't seem like he would be a great boyfriend. So that's not terribly surprising, but also super juicy. It is in a lot of the book is about John Mayer. Hmm. So if you're interested in knowing what went down with them, this is a good book for you. It's also um, just kind of changes your perspective on her, that she's not a dumb blonde, that she's really a smart businesswoman. Well, good. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I love a good celebrity memoir where you get a different perspective or learn something, especially if there's some, you know, gossip involved. That's there's a the lot thing. of gossip in this and she's got a lot of stories. Girl's got some stories. This was not a memoir and I actually have it right here to show you. Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family by Robert Kolker. So this is the story of the Galvin family. They had 12 children ranging in ages. They, there was a 20 year difference between the oldest and the youngest. And six of them were diagnosed with schizophrenia. Wow. It is. So it's, it's the story of the family and Mm -hmm. 
how like this one gets diagnosed and then the next one and then this one pops up and the struggles of the family. But interspersed, you also get the history of the diagnosis and treatment of mental illness, which is I'm super into like medical history and Mm-hmm. past theories about medicine and health. It was, it was really fascinating. I mean, heartbreaking, it's tragic. And there's so many kids to keep track of that actually there's this, at the start of each chapter, it's bolded who the chapter is going to be about. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So focusing on this kid or that kid or the parents or whatever. And so you always get that little visual list. You know how mm-hmm. some books you have to flip to the front? Yeah. To get the yeah. It's confusing. You get it at the beginning of each, there is a family tree with like who married who and their kids and all of that but anyway just just that little like design feature made this so much easier um it's got a great cover and actually the the cover is what intrigued me when I first saw this book yes and so it's kind of creepy looking a little bit well these are 10 of them and Uh so the first 10 kids are all boys and then the last two are girls and so the mom at the top of the stairs is pregnant with the um next to last kid so there are 10 here that's she's number 11 and then there'll be one more to follow that's a lot of kids it is all human life is precious etc but that is too many kids i don't want that many many. that's that's a lot it's a lot anyway but it was I read it in like two days. I just burned through it. It was fascinating. That's been on my list for a long time to read. Well, ever since I heard about it. So I'm glad to hear that you liked it. Yeah, I did. Um, I really liked it. It might be one of those books that we both like. Those are so, so hard to find. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read another memoir. It's called Nobody Will Tell You This But Me. Oh, I bought that. I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. Well, okay. Well, I listened to the audio version. I do that when I'm talking about audio. Right. (laughs) It's read by the author. And okay, so I won't tell you too much, but let me just say that it is so funny and heartbreaking. And at the end, you want to call your mother or your grandmother. So it's about, it's told from the point of view of Bess's real grandmother, Bobby Bell, who people call Bob, which I think is cool. But Bobby Bell is is feisty. She's interesting. She has a lot of absolute points of views. So a lot of the book is, it's like text and voicemails that, that she sent best. And it's just, it's just hilarious, but it's so, it's such a great story about family and how you connect to your family. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to say too much. Okay. Well, that was one of the first books that I tried to read in quarantine times and Corona times. And I, it, I couldn't do it. Was it too emotional for you or? No, it just, I don't know. I tried, I have probably tried to read 18 different books. I mean. That happens to me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> just none of them would stick. None of them would stick unless it was nonfiction. So another, it doesn't sound like it would be reassuring in any way for someone who is unable to read anything uh, during this kind of crisis. But I read Hail Rider by Laura Spinney. The subtitle is The Spanish Flu of 1918 and How It Changed the World. Somehow reading about- That made you feel better? It actually did. Reading about this other global pandemic made me feel better. Like, even though we kind of are in the same exact place, like, hey, social distance, wear a mask. That's Mm -hmm. all we have. You know, life went on. People went to the movies. They went to concerts. Like, it happened. You know, there was this terrible thing, and then life went back to normal. It maybe didn't the next day, but it made me feel better about, like, will things ever be normal again? Will my child ever go to school again? Can I go to a concert? Like, those kinds of questions that I think... 
lot of us are. Okay, well, then that totally makes sense to me because I think we all have a feeling that things are never going to be like they were. Right. And so that gives you some reassurance that, that life is going to return. Yeah. I mean, so, it's not the same disease, but the way it was approached and the way it was dealt with by health professionals was is remarkably the same as what we're doing now. And there were the same, there weren't like protesters, but there were people who obviously were like, that's dumb. I don't believe in science. Yeah, but I thought this was interesting. So in New York City, I don't remember what the guy's title was, but like head of health stuff. I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> um, he got his job in April and then the pandemic hit in July. <laughs> like wow. you've ever started a new job and you're like, yeah, in about a year, I'll, I'll figure out how to do this. No, that guy had to figure it that right away. So he staggered the times that businesses and factories opened so that there would be fewer people out and about at the same time and closed some kinds of places. But he left schools open, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, that's different. Because New York City is so densely populated, they thought, well, we'll have a better shot of keeping kids safe and observing their health if they're at school. We'll also be able to feed them healthy meals mm. instead of sending them home to their often very dark and cramped um, um, homes where, where there's not enough food or where there's not enough food and too many people, you're safer at school. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. And of course, the flu did not originate in Spain. There's a chapter about how basically every country blamed some other country. Like, oh, wow. That sounds so familiar. Yes. Hmm. In Spain, they called it the French flu. In France, they called it the German flu. Like it, everybody was I like, I did not know that. Yeah. It, and then for some reason, Spanish flu stuck. But the three theories are that it's either in France at a camp during the war, perhaps in China, but it's most probably originated in Kansas. So it's really the Kansas flu. That so doesn't have the same type of zingy ring. It doesn't to sound as, as no. cool. No, no. I have the no. Kansas flu. Anyway, well, that's, I actually think I might want to read that now. So that's interesting. It was. Uh, so. Well, another book I read, I kind of went back to what I usually read, is a mystery. And it's called Eight Perfect Murders by Peter Swanson, who's one of my favorite authors. This is a really cool book because basically it's about this guy that owns a bookstore. And he is caught up in this FBI investigation because he wrote an article years ago where he talked about eight perfect murders in novels and how they would actually work. Well, then some guy later on starts committing these murders. Ooh. And so, of course, they go to the guy that wrote the article on it years ago. I thought it was it was really thrilling because you never know what's going to happen, of course. And I also like the fact that I know all, all these books they talked about. So they talked about like an Agatha Christie book, an Ira Levin book, Donna Tartt's A Secret History is in there. Little and Mississippi angle. I know, Mississippi. Little, you know, little tidbit there. So anyway, I think it's a good read for people who like thrillers, have read a lot of mysteries, and it's got a really crazy ending film. Well, I wrote it down. It may okay. be the fiction that tells me on my fiction pit. <laughs> so anyway, that was something that it's it's also a very quick read. No, it sounds good. Uh, the murder thing reminded me of the only TV I've been able to watch. I know a lot of people have, you know, watched all of Netflix. I'm watching a lot of Hercule Poirot. Oh, you know what? there might be a murder, but it's not gory. It's so civilized. It really is. And then you know. he's going to use his little gray cells and figure <laughs> it out by the end. So I've enjoyed that. The last book, I, and actually, I have been. I'm still 
reading it. It's The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. He wrote, I know Eric Larson, but I don't know that title. This is, It just came out. He wrote The Devil in the White City and others. So this is, the subtitle is A Saga of Churchill, Family, and Defiance During the Blitz. Let me tell you, a book about Winston Churchill it would never appeal to me. That does like, not sound good to me, really. It is, <laughs> it is not, it, I wouldn't guess, but I don't, I read something about it that intrigued me. So we had just purchased this at the library. So, you know, the library's closed, went up, still on the shelf, uh, grabbed it. So it's one year in Winston Churchill's tenure as prime minister. It's from May 9th to 1940 to like May 10th, 1941. And he's named prime minister on May 10th. Here's the thing about this. Not only is it interesting, but everyone kept diaries and records and they wrote letters. So there's all of this. great for historians. Oh, absolutely. And it's great if you like weird little things. So the people that he ran with are all like super educated and sometimes a little snotty. And so they all wrote letters about each other and called each other hilarious insults. So I've chosen a few to share oh, with you. Oh, I want to hear. I want to hear. And if I ever call you one of these things, you'll know that I didn't um, make it up. I'm just being historical about it. So Neville Chamberlain is the prime minister right before Churchill. Mm-hmm. And someone described him as a dirty old piece of chewing gum on the leg of a chair. That's oh, a pretty That is. And that's so descriptive. It really, all of these are, are like incredible. These next two are about Lord Beaverbrook, who is described, there's like, just, he's not that hideous because I had to Google him, but it's like, oh, he had moles and big ears. And, you know, so he was described. Ear going out of his ear. Yeah. And all of these quotes aren't the author. These are these people's contemporaries describing them. He was described as being a violent, passionate, malicious, and dangerous little goblin. <laughs> And then, I mean, they're uh, really, those are horrible insults because it's just, are. if someone told me I was a dirty piece of chewing gum on the bottom of a, ch- I mean, that's like really mean. It is. And then this is also about Lord Beaverbrook. This is from Clementine Churchill, Winston's wife, wrote him this letter about Beaverbrook. And it says, my darling, try ridding yourself of this microbe, which some people fear is in your blood. Exercise this bottle imp and see if the air is not cleaner and purer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so then Randolph Churchill, their son, he's terrible so far. Like he's just awful. And I I don't know anything about, this is not a a phase of history I know anything about. So this is all new to me, but he had just like disgusting personal habits. And someone said his coughing is like some huge dredger that brings up sea change things. He had this like disgusting cough he did all the time. Oh, oh. And then Randolph was married to Pamela and someone said she wore high heels and tossed her bottom around. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, needless to say, I have a list. I have a post-it stuck in the book where I can. I know, I know you like to take notes about what people say, interesting uh-huh. things people say. So I bet you are going to put some of these in your little notebook. Oh, yes. I'll have to have a separate notebook just for the insults I'm learning. I think the dirty piece of chewing gum, I think that's, that one is going to stay. You know, that's going to be a part of like my. I want you to somehow use that in your life, in your, nor- your that's normal. That's what I mean. I think it's going to be a part of my arsenal. Like, uh <laughs> Don't, don't talk to that guy. He's like a dirty piece of chewing gum. Everything I know about Winston Churchill, this is really embarrassing, but true. Well, most of what I know about him, I learned from The Crown on Netflix. Yeah. And I don't know if it's all accurate, but... Well, um, it's it's books like this and shows like that that make history really interesting. So yeah. I will say, you, know, you get a little gossip about Pamela throwing her bottom around. And then, you know, there's an air raid in the next chapter. So uh-huh. it kind of tricks you into like, oh, okay, I'm learning more about 
about. Yeah, it tricks you into learning when you, yeah. you really think you're reading about gossip. It, exactly. It's it's a great blend. So well, that also sounds interesting to me. This is a this is crazy that we're both liking each other's books. It is. <laughs> I don't think you'll like my next one because it's a psychological thriller, which the, I love, and I kind of hate that I love them because they're so like you know hip right now. But mm. I do. I love them. It's called The Better Liar by Tannen Jones. It's got a great cover with all these bright yellow flowers. I don't know. I just like that. And what it is, it's a story of Leslie and her father has died. And in order to get the money that he has left her and her sister, she has to claim the money with her sister. Now, her sister ran away or moved away years ago. So she has to go find her sister. So this is not giving anything away because it says this on the jacket. But she finds her sister and then her sister dies of a drug overdose like right away. So then she is like at a diner and she's all sad. She's going to have to go back where she's from and not get this money that she needs for a mysterious reason. So she's at this diner and she sees a girl who looks just like her sister. So she talks this girl into impersonating her sister and coming back with her. That's all I'll say. See, that doesn't sound like something you would like, does it? You know what? It sounds like a movie set in 1945 that I would like. Like a black and white. Like an old black and white movie. Yeah, that I would watch that in a minute. Because it has so many potential terrible things that could happen. I mean, the the whole setup is like, okay, so you can have someone who you don't know act like your sister, and now she has to know everything that your sister knows in order to claim this money for this weird reason that you're being all secretive about, and your husband doesn't know about. It's a good read, good thriller. And what's it called again? It's called The Better Liar because, hmm, unreliable narrators who's lying. That sounds cool. Well, (laughs) these are, I think this is a good little mix of what we've been reading. We have some memoir, some fiction, some nonfiction. We got Um, a lot of gossip. Gossip both in about Churchill and John Mayer. I know. Like, who knew we would have that in this mix and uh, that they're both so interesting? They really are in different ways, but still interesting. Well, this has been fun and we'll have to have one of these chats again. I would like that very much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.